0: Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Mark from the Valley Church and uh, you joined us on a really cool day. This is Football Sunday. So it's Super Bowl Sunday for all of us, but we call this Football Sunday. So this service today is gonna have some different football themes. You can see behind me that the stage looks a lot different and uh, so big kudos to Chris Rittenhouse and Sean Kelly for doing that. But uh, so we're gonna have all kinds of exciting things going on online today. We have a, a special person who's going to be, uh, I'm going to be interviewing as part of the service today, the sermon, a little mini sermon uh, over sports and a a sports topic. Uh, And here's the big thing though, we have giveaways. And so as you're watching today, drop a football emoji Okay, so if you're like me, you're going to have to scroll through and find them. But drop a football emoji, and that will enter you in to a drawing. So you can do it now. I'll be referencing it throughout the service. And then we will draw several people for some $25 gift cards. And uh, Pastor Lindsay, our online pastor, will pick those winners, and then she will let you know, message you to get your address, and we will send those to you. So you don't want to miss that. Drop, as many, drop the football emojis throughout the service today. Well, we are so blessed to have Luke Eli with us. And so wherever you are, kick back, relax, enjoy this. Uh, Luke is from South Korea. So at this point, I'm gonna invite Luke to come with me on the stage. And uh, he's gonna be sharing a little bit. Yeah, waved to everyone, he did, yes, okay. And you can see we root for very poor football teams. He's Michigan and I'm Penn State.
1: Go Tom Brady.
0: (laughs) Yes, oh yeah, I forgot, yeah. So. So Luke, it would only make sense in 2020 and 2021 that on football Sunday, I would bring a basketball guy in, Mm -hmm. right? It's just, it's, why wouldn't we, right? It's like the obvious. So Luke uh, played basketball in college and professionally, and then has coached and done some other things. And he's based out of South Korea, been there over 20 years. So Luke, why don't you just share, um, share a little bit about how you got involved in playing professional basketball of all places, China.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, So just really quick, um, because there's always a longer version to every story that I could probably tell, but how I got involved in playing basketball in China is quite unique, really. Um, After years of living in South Korea throughout my 20s and coaching and playing semi-professionally, uh, which really just means you play for fun and just at a <laughs> higher level. Um, God called me to China, and we believe that God was calling me to China to, to go to North Korea eventually. That was actually one of the things I felt God uh, put on my heart, is like, take basketball to North Korea. I thought it, there's a huge story behind that, but it's really kind of cool. But anyways, I went to China thinking I was going to coach. So I was going to build a coaching organization and all these different things. But long story short, I went there, got signed in to be a coach on a basketball team, and in the middle of um, our training camp for our future professional athletes coming in, it was a professional team, um, the head coach and the general manager of the team said, hey, Luke, you should go out there and play basketball and see what you still got. You know, I'm 30 years old, wasn't too bad, right? And so I just went out there. I was out of shape. I had some fun, and I just thought it was just a casual game, but... Later that night, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who would eventually become my agent, and she says, hey, I hate to tell this to you, but the team that we hooked you up with, they don't want you to coach anymore. And I felt my heart break. I was like, I came over, I dropped everything, I stepped out on faith to go to China and to do this, and they don't want me to be a coach. I was like, what's going on here? She's like, oh, don't panic. They actually want you to play instead. (laughs) It's more money, and it's a lot more fun. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> wow. So thus, my career began. My official professional career began at age 30. Hey,
0: that's better than me, mine never began. So, so. so that's awesome, so you're age 30, you're playing professional mm-hmm. basketball in China. We all know you can't play forever, but you mentioned that you're going to China as a stepping stone to try to make some headway into North Korea, and so, mm-hmm. Uh, So like most of us, and you can admit you've done this before, you've Googled yourself. Well, if you Google Luke Eli and CNN or Luke Eli and North Korea, God opened up some doors. Mm. And you ended up in North Korea. Mm -hmm. And so share a little bit about it. Because you can actually read the CNN article. You were the first American team to play in North Korea.
1: Yeah, um, I mean it's a very humbling experience to say you're the first at anything. Um, I mean I used to take pride in saying I was the first one in the buffet line, but you know, well this was a little bit deeper than that. And yeah, you know, when God called me to this, I didn't think anything was ever going to become of it. I thought He got the wrong person. You know, some of us think God makes mistakes, and you know, but I was definitely in that category. But yeah, God opened the doors, and we ended up in North Korea um like i said there's a lot of stories a lot of miracles that had to go into that Uh, we had to use a lot of connections and a lot of it was based on the fact that god provided me as a as a professional athlete that allowed me to have the audiences with the right people to get us in so it's amazing how god had that all planned and i had no idea we just went there hoping something would happen but god had a plan that was definitely going to happen so yeah that's how we ended up in north korea um it was a a very unique experience, as you can imagine, um, so yeah. And so
0: North Korea, we see on the news um, you know, that it looks like it's back in the 50s and 60s, and, mm-hmm. but we know the news you know, paints all kinds of pictures that maybe aren't always quite accurate. How accurate is that, and what was your kind of takeaway of that, of that country, of that culture?
1: Yeah, so we went there for the first time in 2012, Um, early on in 2012. We started the process in 2011. Uh, All we had was really just rumors and random reports. I mean, you couldn't really Google. There was no videos. There wasn't really a lot of information out there. Um, So the best we could do is just kind of go by the little we had and and what the news says. And how often do we trust the news? Well, I mean, I assume that they just... It was all hyperbole. There's no way it could be as crazy as they say it was. But as soon as we got off the airplane, I mean, we walked into a hangar that they called an airport. You know, it was really, i would seen garages out here that were bigger. Um, but that was their international airport. And next thing you know, we're ushered into the city on the most bumpiest roads imaginable. And, you know, the city of Pyongyang was actually quite beautiful in its own way. Uh, the Korean Peninsula is just a gorgeous place just in general. But imagine just taking a step back, you know, 50, 60 years ago, and that was North Korea. And the people there were in that same, I mean, they, it's like they hit 1960 and just stopped. It's something you would see in a weird, you know, movie. Some people asked me, was like, well, what can you compare North Korea to? And I was like, well, it felt like, you know, a 1960s version of the Truman Show. <laughs> the only difference is, who's Truman? If you know the movie, you don't like, who's the actual one, you know, acting, them or us? and it was a very strange experience, and yeah, for once, the news was not completely off. Uh, it's a communist nation that keeps their people suppressed in a certain um, way, and it's, it's sad, weird, and every imaginable word you can think of, it associates with North Korea.
0: Yeah, I remember asking you, did you, did you feel like mm. people were watching you during then, and you're like, no, um, I knew, <laughs> I knew they were watching me. We actually, mm-hmm. you shared a really interesting story with me a little bit earlier of being in your hotel room and needing to get your jerseys, just wanting to get your jerseys washed and that, and wondering, you know, and you're talking amongst yourselves in your hotel room. I wonder if they have a washer and dryer, or you know, coin place or whatever in the basement or wherever the hotel. And it wasn't too too long thereafter that you get a knock on the door, and it's one of the front office attendants or you know cleaning ladies saying um we can wash your stuff right i mean they were right. your room was bugged right i mean yeah. just that's that but that's normal there right, right?
1: Yeah. so yeah we have we have security that goes with us everywhere you can't leave the hotel area without you know an escort you can't you can only walk certain places and i mean it's very strict there's no freedom <laughs> the freedom let's just say the freedoms we enjoy here in america they don't even know what that is there, yeah, so it's a foreign concept, It's such them. a foreign concept, freedom of speech. why that'll yeah. get you killed? yeah, you know
0: so That's, so yeah. now let's fast forward. you've mm-hmm. you've started an organization. that organization mm-hmm. essentially has two arms. One is mm-hmm. developing coaches, mm-hmm. the other is developing players. Mm-hmm. And not just basketball, but volleyball, you know too. Mm-hmm. and uh, and so you, it's expanding. I mean, really blossomed in a lot of different countries in the east um. You have, let me guess, I'll, I'll name a few, you can add ones that I missed, but, mm-hmm. you know, obviously South Korea, China, Japan, Indonesia, um, Singapore, probably Thailand, uh, and you mentioned one other that's really near and dear to your heart.
1: So, yeah, um, so one that's, and there, like I said, there's a lot more than that, but the one that has been really heavy on my heart, and anyone who's on my Facebook would see this but uh, and they're in the news right now and it's myanmar Uh, Mm -hmm. myanmar is where i've probably spent a lot of time um, investing into their sports programs their coaches and their people in general Um, anyone who knows the history of myanmar knows that it's one of the most persecuted nations in the world for christians and we have a lot of stories and sad testimonies of people that have watched their you know families killed over the years by the the regimes that have um it's been it's been a civil war there for 50 60 years and it's been a power struggle and then just this week the just when we thought democracy was kind of taking hold there the last couple years the military came in and took advantage of the covid situation and imprisoned the the entire government and took over and there's a lot of scared people right now the we don't we're not getting a lot of reports right now because unless you're getting it directly from um right they haven't cut off the internet yet so we are communicating with our our friends on the ground there but they do ask for prayer they ask for just the world to know what's going on there that's one of the things like please know what's going on here is wrong and and please don't forget us and that's a that's a scary plea but uh it's yeah so myanmar um what changes
0: everything when it's not just a country or a news blip Mm -hmm. but it's people right these are Mm -hmm. people you know you've spent time with you've invested Mm -hmm. in and speaking of investing um you know you're using the game of basketball Mm -hmm. a game that you love you've played for Mm -hmm. as long as you could um and now you're you have an organization with training coaches and, and athletes um why do you do that? What's, what's the incentive behind the passion that you have, that, that, that given passion mm-hmm. to make a difference in the life of someone else?
1: So I believe that God has given all of us gifts, all of us passions, and they're not used, they're not, they weren't given to us to just, you know, use amongst ourselves. It's, it's used to change people, to ch- not just change your lives. Imagine your gifts you know, your lives would not be the same without them. Imagine if you can share that gift with other people and connect with other people with your passions as well. And our whole organization is built on the premise that God has given us these things to change the world and make it a better place. Um, and, that's, and the possibilities are endless when you think of the ways you can use sports, especially for me, basketball. I love basketball. I love sports. And I can connect with so many people around the world You know, we don't always speak the same language. We don't always have the same political views. We don't always have the same anything. But you roll that basketball out there, and it's like, you know what? There's a smile. The competition begins, and it's like all of a sudden, hey, like, we got something. We're connected here. Um, And to me, that's just a beautiful thing. And this is not limited to just sports. This is, every one of us have something, you know? It could be music. It could be art. It could be just your passion for you know, food. I mean, there's just go down the list of all the different things that get you excited and there's somebody out there that needs to connect with you. And if you're a Christian, this is an awesome opportunity to share life with somebody and change their lives in a positive way. So that's what our organization is there to do. We're here to encourage gifts and passions of all kinds, regardless if it's basketball or not. I think so so
0: often we just overcomplicate it, don't we? I mean, just have something that God's put within Mm. you and... um, it can be an equalizer, like you said. So many of other people have that same interest and passion. I would just encourage you as you're watching, what is it that just gets you excited? Whether it be sports or maybe it's a craft or a hobby or or just some something. We all have things that kind of get us excited. It's usually the things we talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's usually your indicator that that's probably what you're excited about. And I, it's as simple as how do you get some other people? How do you reach some other people? How do you build relationships yes. with some other people? But, well, I'm just... We could probably talk for a long time, but I'm so glad Luke's with us today. Uh, obviously, just like a lot of things in this world, COVID has, um, has thrown a wrench into you know what, what was going on there. So be thinking, as you're thinking of Luke, and you got to meet him some today, be praying for his next steps and what the next steps look like for, for his organization over in the Far East. Um, there's an incredible future ahead, and waiting's never fun, is it? Mm. But um, it's part of... It's part of just dependency on, on God as we go forward. So so thank you. Thank you, Luke, for, right. for sharing what God's doing, how you're reaching people and building relationships. And at this point, uh, we have a video for our next sermon series. that's going to start next week. And then I'm going to briefly share. I'm going to open up Bible and look at a couple of things from Scripture that actually build on what we just talked about now. So uh, go ahead, check out this video, and then I'll join you again very soon. Well, hey. I hope you got to see the interview with uh, Luke Eli that I did just a a few minutes ago. If you didn't, um, watch that when it goes on demand. Uh, Luke is from South Korea. He's been able to take a basketball team, the first U.S. basketball team, into North Korea. And then his organization is all over uh, the Far East. So uh, I'm going to actually build off of that. It's going to be a little short sermon Today, I guess they call them sermonettes. Uh, But before I do that, that video that you saw is about our next series. And that series is entitled The Almighty Dollar. And so for the next four weeks, starting next week on February 14th, happy Valentine's Day, by the way, we are going to be talking about money. Uh, And why do we talk about money? Sometimes it can be an avoided topic. We talk about money because we all deal with it. A lot of us would like to have more of it, but I think we would all say that money has caused us worry. Money has caused us to be upset. It's probably created some strain or significant struggle in marriages. Uh, It's probably something that you wish you you knew more about. What's the Bible have to say about this? What's that to say about saving? What's that to say about giving? What's it have to say about using the resources, not just money, but the stuff God's given us to make a difference in the lives of others. So you're not gonna to wanna to miss it. Uh, it's gonna again fire up next week, invite someone to join. Hey, if you did join late today, one of the things we said is throughout the service today, if you want to enter a drawing for a $25 gift card, and we have multiple of them, uh, for a $25 gift card for somewhere, uh, you can just drop a football emoji. Put a football emoji out, you'll be entered into a drawing. Pastor Lindsay Murphy, our online pastor, will draw some winners, and then she'll message you, get your address, and we'll send them in the mail. So we want everyone participating participate in online with that. And uh, again, chance to win some, uh, some gift cards for some good food. Well, I'm going to build off what we talked about with Luke, and in my playing days, I, I, got, I played um, football, basketball, and baseball in high school, and then baseball in college. And I remember uh, the crowds. It's actually something that doesn't exist really much now. Isn't that kind of the difference? You know, it's so odd not seeing many people at games or anyone at games in some cases. But I remember Friday night football, you know, the first time uh, running out, the tunnel, if you will, with the, the cheerleaders and the thing that you run through or sometimes trip over through that paper that, you know, rips apart. And just hearing the roar, that crowd, and just being so excited, and just that energy, especially for home games, right? That energy to bring forth. And then basketball. I remember one time, I think we were, I was a sophomore in high school. We were 20-0. and 0. We were 20 wins, zero losses, going to play on the road outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, this team who was really good, extremely good. And they were known for their crowd. Uh, their crowd was uh, respectful. They weren't ridiculous, but they were like intense into it. In fact, they had rolled out a, a banner because we ended up losing the game. Um, we were down with a few minutes left. It was clear the other, they were going to win. They rolled this banner out that said 20 and won. Um, it, was, it was intense, it was one of the most intense, but it was so fun to play in that atmosphere because it was loud, it was crazy, it was intense. And I remember in college, you know, the crowd too, baseball's a little bit different, but just the crowd would be there and, and different, just different ways to motivate uh, and get, especially again for home games or when we were in big tournaments, uh, when there'd be a lot of people at the game. The problem is when we play to the crowd, uh, we play to the audience, um, it can leave us unfulfilled, right? It, it's so not really what we would want to do. It, and uh, so often I think we can do this in life, right? We, we want to impress others. We want others to like us. We want to be accepted by other people. And some of us probably have done some stupid things, said some stupid things uh, just to be accepted, right? And you don't have to comment on those while you're watching. I'm sure some of them, are coming to mind, but I bet all of us would say we've we've acted out of our character. We've done and said things that we really didn't even mean, definitely didn't want to do, and regret we did them just to fit in, just to be just to be one of the guys or one of the one of the gals. It's actually a trap. It, it's it's not healthy. In fact, if you're in that situation where you're trying to win the approval of someone else or you're trying to fit in with someone else. Uh, It's leading you to be tired and frustrated, uh, empty uh, and all those things. So today actually in the sports, I I thought it was a a fitting thing as we talk about sports and we, we're looking at stadiums this past year, and they're empty for the most part. The Super Bowl uh, tonight, I think, has, what, 22,000 seats. And I've actually been to a game. I saw Penn State win a game, which tells you it was a while ago, against Tennessee in a bowl game at um, Raymond J., James Stadium. I don't know if they probably redeemed it now, but in Tampa Bay. And it seats a lot more than 22,000 quite a bit more. And so it's just something I think it's on our minds. It's something you've all witnessed if you've even tuned into a sporting game or or heard that it's going on. And so I think God has a word for you today. And it's not going to be a, a long message at all, but he has a word, something he wants to show you, something he wants to show me that I think can really change the trajectory of our life. We're going to look at a story in scripture uh, that maybe you're familiar with. It's a, it's a common one, especially if you grew up like in Sunday school or anything like that. It's going to be in Daniel chapter three, and we're going to read verses eight through 12, eight through 12. It says, at that time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that anyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of God and that whoever does not, a gold, image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing fire, fire, furnace, excuse me. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up little backstory here, King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon in modern-day Iraq. Uh, the southern kingdom, kingdom of Judah, was rebelling against God. God said they're going to be led into captivity if they didn't turn and repent. They didn't. And so in 586, Nebuchadnezzar led the first of three exiles of the people. And he was a really smart guy. The first exile, he took away the youngest, the strongest, and the smartest. That way they couldn't revolt against him in their own kingdom and set up and get smarter so he couldn't maybe take the next exile. And then he also wanted them for his kingdom to do the different jobs and to make sure things were done right and to put them to good use in his kingdom. And so Daniel, who you heard about Daniel in the lion's den maybe, Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were one of those groups who were brought over first. And the story I just read is the fact that they refused to worship other gods. They refused to do what Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to do. They played to an audience of one. The audience of one was that God was the only one that they would worship, the only one that they would listen to, the only one they would seek approval of, the only one that they would obey, not Nebuchadnezzar, not all these other gods. And then here's what happened. Listen to the response from these three men. In verse 16, says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Get this, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And so then the story tells us that because they said, God is our only one we listen to. God is the only one we seek approval from. God is the only one that we're committed to, that we're devoted to. The Bible tells us then that Nebuchadnezzar cranked up the furnace, I think about six or seven times hotter, so hot that the men who were the guards that were going to put them in the furnace, as soon as they even got close, it immediately killed them. And so uh, we, we read in the, in, the, in the text that then they literally, because of this, fell into the furnace. And so they're in that furnace and then something really amazing happens. A fourth person appears in that furnace and they are not burned at all. Actually, they say that the Bible tells us not even one hair of their body was scorched and that God's protection, whether it was angel, more than likely, whatever the case would be, God's protection, God sent uh, someone to protect them to make sure that they're unscathed. And then we end the story with this in verses 28 to 30. Says this, then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God. Talk about a 180. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, they trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any other God except their own God. Therefore, I decree, this is Nebuchadnezzar was an interesting guy, to say the least that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So what can we learn? What in the world is going on? Now I open up this sermon by talking about playing to the crowd and that, the crowd in athletics, can, you, you can use to get your adrenaline going. You can get fired up. It's exciting. But the reality is it really does, even then doesn't last long. Eventually, all those emotions, all, the, all that adrenaline kind of evens out. You've maybe seen this, especially in the game of basketball, where a home team will come out fired up. The crowd's going and they'll run off like a 10-0 run against a team as equal to them or better. And then the other coach calls a timeout, everyone kind of gets settled down. And then before you know it, it kind of starts evening out again. If they're equal talent, the game starts to get tied up and it's kind of back and forth throughout that time. But when I read this story, the thing that jumps out in the next five minutes as we wrap this up, the thing that really stands out to me is this. These guys were 100% devoted to God. They didn't look to Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't look to other gods. They didn't look to their own strength. When you're going in a fiery furnace, there's nothing you humanly are going to do to pull this one off, right? There's no Houdini act that can happen on your own. And it got me thinking about devotion, about being fully, about an audience of one, that God is the only one that we're committed to. God is the only one we listen to. God is the only one we serve. And I was reminded of this verse in 2 Chronicles 9. It came to my head. It says, The Lord's eyes keep on roaming throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts completely belong to him, so that he may strongly support them. Is that not fascinating or what? Did you know that? that? God is literally looking throughout this earth, And he's looking, and when he sees someone who's fully devoted and 100% committed, just like Luke, someone like Luke who's going to use the game of basketball to reach as many people as he can, okay, and build as many relationships as he can, God stops, and he supports that person. That's what we would call blessing. We see God's supernatural power working for them. That's the definition of blessing. God's supernatural power working for them in ways that don't even make any sense. You're like, that person's not the most gifted. They're not the most articulate. They're not the smartest. They don't have the degrees. They don't have the experience even. But they were available. And that they were fully committed to Jesus Christ. See, if Jesus Christ isn't worthy of our absolute devotion, why would a person far away from God ever be interested in Christianity? Ever think about that? Like if, if, if followers of Christ are not fully devoted, then why would someone who's not a follower of Christ find it appealing at all to be devoted? I've learned this, and I think maybe some of you have too, that full devotion, full devotion is the only path to satisfaction. The happiest people in this world are those who are fully sold out for Jesus Christ. It's an audience of one. He's their leader. He's in charge. He sets the tone. And then, just like Luke shared, look at all the blessings. Look at the opportunities that happen as a result of that. In fact, I've never met any single person, and I don't. I'm pretty confident I never will. I've never met anyone who regretted being fully devoted to Jesus Christ. See, in fact, there's just like these guys in, in the fiery furnace, just like Luke, there's nothing heroic about being fully devoted. It's simply what a Jesus follower does. We see that all throughout Scripture. In fact, Luke 9.23, Jesus says this, then he, then he looked at them all, the crowd, the disciples. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple, if you really want to be my disciple, if you want to get out of the crowd, if you want to get out of the audience, and if you want to get into the game, you must deny yourself and pick up your cross daily and follow me." What he meant was exactly what he meant, cross daily. The cross is an instrument of death. He's saying, if you're not willing to die for me, and he mentioned that, Luke mentioned that in Miramar, right? I mean, the things that are happening in the name of Jesus Christ. You can go to the website, Voice of the the Martyrs, and see that every day people are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, if you're watching us in America right now, we have it pretty easy. I don't mean to be flippant with that. I know there's a lot of trials and and tough times going on, but have any of you been uh, threatened with your life or know someone in the United States? It's probably unlikely. So what's full devotion look like as we wrap up? When we have full devotion, the first thing is this, we experience peaceful relationships. John, first John 4.20 tells us this whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. When we're fully devoted, and this is a good litmus test. This is one of those spiritual audits. There's so much divisiveness, there's so much us versus them, and we can't agree to disagree or anything like that the Bible says if you're fully devoted to Jesus Christ, your relationships are peaceful. You need, I think all of us need to kind of reflect on that, not with the people we agree with, not the people that we have the same value systems with, but those who maybe don't. And if you're watching today and you're like, you know, that, that's one reason I'm turned off by Christianity because I don't feel like I can learn some of this and process and kind of grow. I got to automatically like buy into this or I am shunned. But I'm, I just want you to know right now, that's not Christianity. That's not, find someone. I hope you find someone. I hope the Valley Church is full of people like this that are going to accept you where you are. Now, we never want to stay where we are. We want the the Holy Spirit, God's power working within us to change us so we become what God wants us to be. But we need to be known by our love. The second is this. When we're fully devoted, we are committed to our resources. Our resources are committed. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. Matthew 6 20 through 21 says this, where your treasure is, there where, excuse me, where your treasure is, there is where you will find your heart too. In fact, this is one of my bottom line statement for today. You'll see it on your screen. It says, when we come to fully understand who Jesus is, his love for us, his sacrifice at knew no limits, we are willing to take whatever measures to, full, to show our full devotion and love to him. The last thing is this, full devotion is remembered. What do you wanna be remembered for? Do you wanna be remembered for your sin, for your mistakes, for your failures, your poor decisions? Or do you wanna be remembered that you finished well, that you were fully devoted to Jesus Christ? Here at the Valley Church, that's what people do every weekend. They're fully devoted online, on site, serving with our kids, serving with our teens, being hosts online, uh, card senders, those online and on-site to those going through a tough time. They're, They're greeters. They're working on tech team. Those are producing what you're seeing online. Those are videotaping what you're seeing right now online. So many different people who are fully devoted to Jesus Christ. And whether you and I remember that, the reality is that Jesus Christ will remember those who are fully devoted and will spend eternity with him. Last thing is this, I would encourage all of us to do a spiritual personal audit today. Are you fully devoted? Do you have an audience of one? Even if there's no one else in the stands, as long as God's there, that's who you serve. That's who you're devoted to. You will not bow down to other gods like that. You will not cave in when the pressure gets tough, but you will be fully committed to God. Here's why. God is looking to take an audience and he wants to make that audience into an army. He wants people who are going to continue to spread the good news, who are going to do the things that he calls us to do. So where are you maybe slipping some in your marriage, in your devotional life, your giving, your serving? And my final question is this, what's keeping you from full devotion? What's holding you back? What is it? I would pray, we're gonna pray as we close the sermon to release that, to turn that over, to be fully committed to what God wants you to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, first of all, I pray for Luke and the minister what he's got going on in the, in the Far East. And I know COVID's really made that challenging recently. God, I pray that you would open up doors and opportunities in the future that he could only dream of because he's fully devoted to you. He's sold out to you to make a difference through the game of basketball. God, I pray for all of us as we're listening to this today. What's keeping us? What's holding us back? What's, that we would identify that. You would help us identify that. And then as a result, we would, um, as, as the scripture tells us, we would let that go. We would, all the things that hinder us, all the things, we would release those, the weight off our back so that we can run the good race, so we can fight the good fight, and so that we can, we can uh, be fully devoted to you and live out the purpose you've called us to live. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.